Let's get socially deconstructed. What's up? It's your girl Trina Dong. And today and next week, we are going to be talking about anti-racism, prejudice, validity of hate crimes, and hate speech based on minority groups. We'll be chatting about the recent attacks on Asian Americans and also Black Lives Matter. So we brought together three different people from three different backgrounds, along with me, to chat about everyone's different perspective, everyone's experiences, and we really did learn a lot from each other. So I'm excited for you guys to hear. Also, I want to say that we recorded this just after the murders of six Asian women happened in Atlanta. At this point, we didn't know all of the specifics. We just knew that we were all very angry um, and confused about the media's portrayal of what was going on and also confused about perspectives of other people that were different than ours. So we decided to have the conversation that was originally planned prior to this devastating massacre happening because we know that it will also be a really, really important piece of upcoming conversations. But of course, we just want to share that truly, truly all of our thoughts and our prayers and our hearts go out to all of the families affected by this disgusting, disgusting, disgusting act. And we really hope that everyone comes together against hate, against racism, and against everything that is wrong and bad that we're seeing still today. So with that, Let's get the conversation started. So, you guys, introduce yourselves. I'm going to start with Elgin Ball. Well, my name is Elgin Ball. I am an actor who recently moved from L.A. to Atlanta and living the dream. Ashley. Ah, hi. Hello. <laughs> um, I'm Ashley Argoda. I don't know why I'm waving as if people on your podcast can see me waving, but you guys can see me waving, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> I am an actress uh, and a singer, and I have been performing since I was really little, and I'm mostly known for the things I've done on Nickelodeon and Disney and Freeform. James Maple. Hey there, it's your boy, James Maple. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a TV host, as if you couldn't tell. <laughs> Thank you guys so much again for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk about this from all of our perspectives. Um, so let's just talk about the Jeremy Lin incident. So he had an interview with Vicky Nguyen from NBC News last week telling everyone that on the court during an NBA D-League game, someone called him coronavirus. Now, if anyone follows Jeremy Lin, I'm Lin Sane, always have been, always will be. <laughs> yep. And we know that throughout his career, he's gotten a lot of cracks about being Asian. For me, people are like, do you like him because he's Asian? First of all, did everybody miss what he did when he was on the Knicks? Number one. <laughs> Two, hell yeah. I love him because he's an Asian American <laughs> NBA player. Hell yeah. Because why wouldn't we? Have you guys ever gotten things like that before? Like for James and Elgin, do you like things because you're black or they're black or that's black and Ashley for you from the Asian perspective? Uh, let's start with James. 
You know, I, I have to say that when you when you raised that question, the first thing that came to mind was uh, I think it was the Academy Awards years ago with Issa Rae. She was posed a question and they asked her, like, who are you here to support? And she said simply, I'm here to support anyone that's black. And um, I, I'm kind of conflicted when it comes to answering that question personally, uh, because in a sense, my my visceral underlying answer is yes. I, I feel like in, in the midst of so much uh, anti-blackness that we uh, endure every single day. I do, I try to make it my best to go out of my way to like support that black business or support even with little followers that I have, like support this minority owned thing to just put some more spotlight into it. So um, I, I think that if, if I were to break this down into a percentage, like 70%, yes, I think that I, I will support something because it's black and because they are black just initially. And then the 30%, I think, would be, like, the the thought process that comes in, like, what are you doing this for this reason? And then what are those reasons if they aren't just simply based on the race? I know that can seem like a, um, like an off-putting kind of answer to some people that aren't POC, but I, that's my honest truth, is that, like, I will go out of my way to support, you know, people that look like me, who I know will understand my perspective, and I'm, I can vibe with them and, and vibe with what they're putting out there because we both share that same struggle. Yeah, what about you, Ash? Yeah, I think, um, I agree. I um, love Jeremy Lin, of course, because of what he did on the Knicks. Are you kidding me? Lin Sanity was so real. Um, <laughs> and I can't wait to tell Mick that you said that because he is the biggest Jeremy Lin fan. My fiance is the biggest Jeremy Lin fan ever. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, um, when I was growing up, I, I get asked a lot, like, so who's, who's an Asian actor or actress you looked up to when you were growing up, like when you wanted to become an actress? And I, I never really had an answer for it. Um, truly, like the first person I can remember watching on TV growing up who looked anything like me was Sandra Oh on Grey's Anatomy. Um, right. And I, I mean, I threw my whole heart behind her because I was like, whoa, there's an Asian woman on like a series regular on a huge TV show. And she's like, not a, she's not a secondary character. Like she's one of the main people in this show. And it was just so mind blowing to me. So I like, I totally threw my support behind her. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, I, I've seen lately that um, because I've been getting asked that question a lot lately for for some strange reason, I have realized there was really nobody for me to look up to. And I, I definitely throw my support behind, just like what you said, James, anyone who looks like me and can relate to me in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Elgin? Um, I personally love, love it, to be honest, because I think it comes down to a matter of representation and I think it's important for each community to have something that, that represents them and something that they can look forward to and aspire to as a motivation for themselves internally. And I think for so long, especially minorities, they weren't given that right to have proper representation for their culture and for their identity um, as themselves, as a person and as an individual. And I, I guess I can see why people have a problem with that but at the same time, I would counter that point in that, you know, us needing this representation for our culture isn't in a way of an oppressive um, state. Um, 
Whereas sometimes in histories, you know, some people's form of representation and pride comes from oppressing other people. And I would like to differ that in, in a lot of minority people's cultures, it's not um, something that's oppressive, but it's something to be celebrated and in a way to unify with other people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when people ask the question, like, it's always negative. It's not like, oh, are you supporting, you know, your people? people that are like you people it's almost that, like an eye roll when they ask it. yeah right. like oh do you only do that as if there's no talent or no reason otherwise to be a part of whoever we're talking about mm-hmm. other than where they come from or the color of their skin and it should be more of a positive question and i think for all of us too specifically the three of us in this room for any minority when there's any minority representation at all whichever race it is we're like hell yeah like yes i will like that because it's that so stop asking that question people anybody that's listening to this don't be rude (laughs) and think about it think about what you're saying like do you only like that thing because of white people and i think i think that's a really interesting question to ask because as as you asked that i think the three of us have this like how absurd kind of mentality like i wouldn't dare to think to ask a white person do you only enjoy this thing because it's white or perceived as white? Like yeah. they, I think that to us, that's such a, a like a backwards thinking question that it, it's removed from our own reality. Mm-hmm. I would hope that others would take on that same sentiment when the, the tables are turned. Also, and I think I've said this um, to you too before, James and Elgin and Ashley probably had the same experience, but when I was younger, I was watching Sister, Sister, Family Matters, um, shows like that because those people didn't look like me but they didn't look like everybody else, mm-hmm. which is how I felt I looked like not everybody else therefore. So I think that that's a big part of it too. You see yourself in people that just aren't the majority. So let's talk about Jeremy Lin. So I posted that interview on Instagram. And I think the first person that responded to me of all people was Elgin. And I was like, minority on minority crime, like how terrible, how disgusting. And I think I said something similar to James. And then I took a step back and was like, I just assumed that that other player was black. And there are other people in the NBA because that's my point that Asian people, Asian person (laughs) is in the NBA. So what did you guys think when you first heard him tell the story, Ashley? To be really honest, I was in the same boat as you in that I immediately thought it was a black man who said it. And it was when I thought about it, it was because I was like, oh, well, it's the NBA. Like it's a majority of it is black men, which is great. But then when you had emailed me and you were like, it's not fair to assume that there are also other people in the NBA. I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. And it really like it took me a minute because I, I didn't realize my own prejudice. So it was, it was a little bit horrifying for me when I, when I thought that, and then you emailed me that. Um, Yeah, it was, it was crazy because you're right. There are also plenty of white men in the NBA, so it could have been truly anybody. Right. James. I agree with Ashley Um, and, and you to, to your, your point before that Um, as, as a black man, I I thought, the same i had the same line of thinking that you all had it was just my base understanding of the 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 makeup of the nba at large i assumed it was somebody of color in particular a black man 
um, again, because that is the makeup of, of the league itself. Um, and I was I was kind of forced to to take to take a step back, like you all said, and, and look at my own idiosyncrasies and the own the own my own um, things that I have that I need to work on that are a bit more subtle and a bit more uh, subconscious that I hadn't realized that needed to be faced. And that was one of those things. I mean, I'm not I'm, I don't want to go out on on a on a, a ubiquitous limb and say like all white people are this thing but for my experience as a black man the majority of the racism my experience is from white people so mm-hmm. it, it was just shocking to me that based on my you know almost 34 years on this planet and the experience that I have it's interesting that my first instinct was to blame the person who looked like me when someone who doesn't look like me experienced racism, it was just, it was almost like I put my own self and my own people at fault for something that even based on my own experience as on with 34 years on this planet, it's contradictory to that notion. Yeah. Interesting. What about you, Elgin? Yeah, I ain't even gonna lie. <clears throat> I, when he said that <laughs> comment, I, I thought it was a black person too, because I, I just know from like my experience of playing basketball as, um, a teenager, I guess, not a young adult. I'm not a young adult now, I think. Um, but <laughs> barely. <laughs> barely. Barely. <laughs> but just just my experiences of playing basketball at high school, just like all the crap talking, I don't think I took it to a racial level before. But you know, it just doesn't seem as far as far as a reach. And um, I really didn't have any like mind-blowing thought to it but I I was just really what um interested me the most was the minority on minority um now this could be all speculation because we don't know if it was if it was a a black uh, male or not but just the the looking into minority um versus minority um discrimination and how and how that impacts and and is a further detriment to to whatever communities are going at each other so that was something that was that really sparked my attention first what do you guys think would have happened had this story been um a black player that came out and said that jeremy lynn had called him uh maybe not as because this guy didn't call him a chink he called him, you know, something very offensive in a different way. So let's say it wasn't the N-word, but let's say it's something very offensive. How do you think that story would have played out differently? Or do you think it would have played out differently? I think it would have. I think it, I think it would have. Um, you and I briefly talked about this via text. Um, so I wasn't able to kind of go into the, the gravest of detail. Um, but I think that given the, the backdrop of the summer of 2020 and, and BLM and, and the I hate to use this phrase, but it's the first thing that, that comes to mind, the hyper-racialization that we've experienced the past year in particular. Um, again, not hyper-racialization, but maybe the, the, the awareness of our racial tendencies, I should say. Um, I think that it would have been blown further uh, out of, it would have been a greater example of racism by proportion to the Jeremy Lin situation. Um, right. But I think that that mentality and, and that like what about ism, I think that speaks to a greater point of the duality that we as a society deem what is racist and what is, is not racist based on who was receiving the racism. Yeah. I think that because Jeremy Lin is an Asian man, I think that the Asian community, their level of, 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 of racism is oftentimes muted. Um, because there are other groups that are, are more 
have, have their have their struggle broadcasted in a, in a greater light. So right. I think that um, definitely if if the tables were turned and it were a black man or woman re- on the receiving end of racism, in particular mm-hmm. from white people, it would have been, you know, scandal, 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 it, rightfully so. Right. Um, but I think that because Jeremy Lin is an Asian man, the Asian community's sense of racism is definitely diluted um, to a great degree. I totally agree. Something I've been experiencing during the um, Stop Asian American Pacific Islander Hate is having an insecurity about posting about it because Mm. it's like, okay, so this is happening. It's awful. People are targeting, you know, elderly Asian people. There's a lot of, you know, coronavirus stuff happening. There's just more. But is it as bad as what's been happening to your community, the Black community? and the you know the murders that have been taking place in you know we don't need to fully get into it but so it's been something that's strange for me I haven't been and I know social media is such a silly thing but it's so important because that's where we get all of our news Mm -hmm. so like some people might not see things unless I post them or unless you guys post them what do you think about that as far as the validity of hate speech or hate crimes one versus another. It's so interesting that you just said that. I was just telling Mick, I have, when everything was happening last year with Black Lives Matter, I didn't even bat an eyelash when I reposted things. I like my story, you know how like when you post too many stories and the top of your story is just dots at some point, like (laughs) that was my story for forever. And it still is like, if I see something related to BLM, I it's an immediate like repost. I will blast it out there forever. And when all of the Asian hate crimes started coming to the forefront, for some reason, I was so skeptical for some reason to like, to blast it out there. And it took me a minute to realize why, like I was, I was almost censoring like what I wanted to put up instead of just like reposting it like I was doing last year. And I talked to a friend of mine about it and he said, the I don't I don't know if you can speak to this at all Trina but for me and for my friend when we were growing up it was you're kind of taught as an Asian person to kind of just like put your head down don't make any ripples like don't cause any problems just like put your head down work hard stay in your lane and like don't make any noise yeah um and I think I think a little bit of that is carried into not a little bit of that a lot of that has carried into what this is and I just feel so, um, for some reason, it feels like like putting in a spotlight on it is like too much and I don't want to cause any problems, even though I am an Asian woman. And of course I should be putting that out there. Of course I want to yeah. be blasting it out there. Of course I want to spotlight whatever I can spotlight to help as many people as possible. But for some reason, especially just these past few weeks, it's been so, um, it's just been so like strange and almost like daunting to yeah. hit repost or like hit add to story because I just feel like like oh sorry it's too much attention and like I I am an Asian woman and I want to help out but I like I don't want to cause any problems so like here's this if you guys want to do something that's great but if not no worries whereas last year I was like donate to everything and I was like mad women doing all this I don't know do you have like does that make sense I think yeah no I think you're totally right like we got to put our head down don't make a scene like don't have anybody look at you just like do a good job and like don't be pointed out like yeah nobody should know who you are just like shut up but then 
I think that's when like our um, humanity pops out, just the type of people that we are. And that's why the Black Lives Matter stuff is like, no, they need to be seen. That mm-hmm. needs to be seen. We got to do that. And that's why the confidence is there more because we know looking in how bad that is. But for some reason, looking in at our things, it's like, oh, is it too, is it bad? Is it not bad enough? Like, what is it? Yeah. James Elgin, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I can pick up on that. Um, I, I think it's a really interesting point that you, you raised, Trina, in, uh, in, in, in the comparison of things. I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. Um, in, in that there's enough I feel like in, in our years on this planet, there's enough hate to go around for everybody. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there should never be this like, oh, well, I, I don't want to do this because I don't want to post this because I don't want to diminish this, this person's ex- existence or is, is my experience as an Asian person not as important as a black person. So therefore, you know, I hate that because that, that like, that does the enemy's job for them. That puts yeah. us against each other. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm like to, to my original point there's enough hate for all of us like welcome to the tent welcome to the tent of being the other because yeah. let me tell you there are more others than there are of them and i, I just hate it, it's it's such a it's such a real point that you that you raised but i hate expressing it because i hate even spotlighting it this whole like us versus them thing because this i'm pointing to all fours of this zoom call for our audio listeners us <laughs> this is us you know what I mean like yeah I, I I hate that like oh well you know on the heels of BLM you know now it's like no f- I'm gonna curse can I curse you yeah yeah, yeah. F- that like now is the fucking time you know what I mean <laughs> like now is the motherfucking time like yeah. I just, it just drives me crazy but it's it's a valid question and I think it's something that should be discussed but like the the minimizing of one's experience to not overshadow someone else's only exacerbates the problem. And again, yeah. it only does mm. the job of the enemy for them. Like yeah. we're doing their job by being like, well, mine isn't, nah, there's, we all are experiencing one thing. There is one common denominator among all those things, white supremacy, point blank, period. That is the, that is something we all have in common. And I'm not saying, to so our listeners, I'm not saying white people, please yeah. understand that point. I am not saying, we are not mm. saying, white people i'm saying white supremacy in its definition puts us all against each other and as we all fight for well maybe not it only does their job for them we are only doing their job for them so that's my two cents on that i think that it's important to what you just said when people say white supremacy or people say white terrorists or people say anything with the word white uh it doesn't mean all white people just like And that is why I think being half white, I'm going to go ahead and take it and just claim it. I think people get insecure and don't want to be grouped into something. So they won't say it and they won't admit that it's real and they won't admit what's happening because it's like, oh, if you say white this, that includes me. It's like, well, the whole the us like you were just saying that includes you. So you should want to be included in the part that's talking about it. And mm-hmm. not worry that you are it, because if you're worried that you are it, you're probably not. <laughs> so, you know, like it, it just has to be everybody needs to, you know, put the ego away and actually think about this stuff. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. Elgin, you have something? I saw you do a. On the first question, I think, yeah, I think people shouldn't really compare, compare like, you know, this is this is worse than this. I think anything um, that is. 
uh, on the line to racism and, and that type of disparity between those two things is, is evenly matched because um, I always go back to, to this thing, the, the doctrine of double truth. Um, two things can be true simultaneously, you know, and I feel like um, the disparities with um, Black Lives Matter and, and the, disparities, the, the disparities with AAPI, you know, anything that's a racial crime it should be treated with, with the same extreme. Um, and I think a problem with that too, uh, what you guys were talking about with social media is that things, I, I hate how things get trendy. I, I think that's a problem. Things yeah. you know, are, are commercialized and then that's when the people wanna hop on it. And I think that we really have to get to the root of these issues um, you know, beforehand. And you know, yeah, you know, when it becomes trendy, that's good because a lot of people fly in and, and post, but those same people that are flying in, these, these allies that are flying in, they need to keep that same energy after the posting and all that, even when the mainstream media uh, news outlet and all that stuff dies down, you know? So yeah. I think people really need to um, have that in the back of their minds too. And I think that when you involve yourself in supporting things that you should be supporting <laughs> makes <laughs> opens your eyes even more to it um like the black lives matters protests the biggest thing that impacted me it was all of james's protesting and being like there in spirit during that with him and talking to him every day just about like what that is what goes on how do you feel it's something that we will all individually never know how the other feels about it and you know whether we're the same race or not even if we are we're going to still have different ways of you know how these things affect us and i wouldn't know those things had i not done the right thing and so i think that when people are being silent they're also not they're closing themselves off to even taking anything in because you can't learn anything from doing nothing. And so one thing I wanna talk about is prejudice versus racism. So I think as people that are um, active in fighting social injustices, we're kind of expected to be perfect, right? Like we don't have any whatever, but you know, we all, uh, Ashley and I specifically, you know, confessing, listen, I assume that guy was black and that's what I did and now I know why that's wrong but that doesn't mean I didn't do it what do you guys think the differences are between prejudices racism and how we can um, be more open about the things that we're thinking so that we can learn more I think um I think um the, the biggest thing that comes to mind is is the is it, it's not, I'm not, this isn't unique to me. This has been said many times before, but my understanding of the difference between prejudice and racism, racism is prejudice and power, simply put. You have, you have the power to use your hatred upon someone else because of the color of their skin to impact their life in several ways, be it vocationally, not hiring somebody, financially, not giving someone a loan, uh, environmentally, uh, Flint, Michigan, you mm -hmm. damn sure if Flint, Michigan water crisis is happening in Beverly Hills, you know, for damn sure it will be corrected. Those yeah. are the things I think that, uh, that real talk, real, <laughs> real, and we all know that's real talk. Da, 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 da. That, that's real <laughs> yeah. talk. That's real talk. 
Um, I think, but, and I think, I, I think this, this may be a controversial point and it, it is, it is often when I say it, I think we all have, we, all of us have the capability and, and the propensity to be prejudiced. I yeah. think that we all hold certain beliefs that are questioned when faced with opposition, especially when we're growing up. We can all, I think all of us came to a consensus of, we thought the Jeremy Lin situation, that the aggressor in the situation was black. Um, and that it took all of us to be like, damn, did, why am I, why do I think that? <laughs> yeah. I think those are the prejudices that we have in our heads, but I don't think that any of us have the power plus that thought processes to impact someone's life to be genuinely racist. And I think that in lies the discrepancy between racism and prejudice. Racism is prejudice and power. You have the power to impact and alter someone's life in, in, in our cases for generations to come. That is racism. Yeah. And I think it's important too that it, prejudice is about a lot of stuff and not just race. <laughs> there is... A, there are a lot of people that we have prejudices against, whether it be um, status or just whatever comes to our mind. But James, like you said, you can make those things can turn into hate real fast if power is given to those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Anybody else have any thoughts on that, Ash Elgin? That was so well said. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I had a lot of time to think, about, think that over, so I appreciate that. You wrote it down. Yeah. Elgin, you good? Um, yeah, that was, that was basically my same point is that, you know, I think, you know, racism implies that you have, you know, a fully formed identity around your culture and um, fully developed um, systems to the point where you're able to overtake or influence other cultures um, to the point of assimilation to that point. So I think um, that's very different. I think um, a good point to bring, we'll bring in is discriminatory thoughts or um, discrimination. I think those two are different, um, racism and discrimination. And I think that kind of ties into prejudices too. So I think those two, um, it's really good to make a dichotomy between racism and prejudices. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it an easier talking point for people mm-hmm. too, because I also think that not everything is racist, but mm-hmm. I also think that not everything's prejudice. So mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the, the finger pointing that happens is what scares everybody and shuts everybody up. It's like, well, we don't wanna talk about that then because they're gonna think we're racist and then I'm gonna be on a whole different level and then I'm not gonna be able to protect myself at all. But it's like we, you know, in some situations, especially just social situations between friends or between, you know, just peers, we need to really explore the thoughts of these people so that we can help and help ourselves too, obviously, because we're having them too. And questions, like one thing that I ask a lot of questions about now that I know nothing about is pronouns. I know nothing about pronouns and uh, a celebrity, uh, well, Halsey, who I'm obsessed with and I love, just changed her pronouns to she and they. And that really, really, really confused me. And so I had to go to someone that I knew would know and just admit like, I don't get this. I do not understand. Can you please explain this to me? And that has to be not offensive. So like to everybody that it has questions and is confused about things, whether it has to do with race or 
people that aren't like you, you gotta ask because it will, it may turn into something worse if you don't straighten it out in your own head. Go ahead, Elgin. Oh, thank you so much. You're no, so whack. I, <laughs> no, I, I actually um, wanna just zero in on that point too. I think it's, it's very good to really empathize and try to understand other people um, as well. Um, and it's sad to say this, but I didn't really um, talk to my Asian friends about a lot of these things until this happened. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's one thing that a lot of people should do is try to, you know, ask these questions. I know it can be very hard to ask these questions and puts you in an uncomfortable <laughs> position, but just imagine how uncomfortable it is for your friends to actually experience these things. So I think mm -hmm. it would be, you know, very um, good just for people to just really ask their friends these, these hard questions and really just understand their experiences and life and how they have to go about things. And I really feel like that would be a big help. Yeah. It's unfortunate to me uh, that I'm thinking about this as, as Elgin was saying, was, was saying what he just uh, said. It's unfortunate to me that we even have to recommend to someone to do that action. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. to, to, I think to us, because we are, we've experienced life as the other so often, it's it's second nature to put yourself in the in someone else's shoes or to inquire further because you 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 you're ignorant on a topic. It, that's I think that's the most upsetting part to me. That as a fully functioning mm -hmm. adult, how can you be the CEO of a company and you can't empathize with a person? for for any reason how you know i think that's the upsetting part to me is that you have people of power people who for, for real talk who make more money than all of us combined yeah that still harbor these issues and it's like why do i have to tell you so-called successful person to empathize with somebody else when that's, when that's something that comes second nature to me i think that is my underlying issue it's like you have to i have to implore you to be a human being when yeah. you should be like the epitome of like, if, if you are indeed the successful person and you're so worldly, how are you making these comments and you can't empathize with someone else? Me as, as a poor person in America, I'll speak for myself, hell yeah, I'm poor, but I'm, I'm rich in wealth, I'm, I'm rich in spirit and I'm rich in, 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 in culture because I take it upon myself to put myself in other people's shoes because I know what it's like to be the other. So that, I, I, I wholly agree with you, Elgin, but I think uh, the the narrative above all of this is that like, damn, we gotta tell you to like, we have to, I have to recommend you, you to go listen to your friends if you don't, I gotta tell you to do that? Yeah. That's messed up. Yeah. No one's asked me any questions. Ash, has anybody asked you any questions? Not a soul. <laughs> yeah. Not one of my friends has reached out and asked if I was okay yeah. or what I thought about any of this. How, how would you guys be, oh, sorry to interrupt, I just no. I have a question about that because I'm curious to the answer. I went through the same thing and I'm sure Elgin did too. I think Trina and I may have talked about this actually back then when we were talking daily. Um, how would you all feel, you two in particular, Ashley and Trina, if someone were to, to reach out to say like, how, how are you doing? Would you think that they're doing it for like, genuine reasons or are they trying to like you know what i mean are they, are they trying to like appear to be have a vested interest because i feel like there there's a very fine line between people who are like hey like how are you versus hey do you see me i'm i'm being part of the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the you know what i mean like what do you guys <laughs> think about that 
I think that what I wish was happening would be people asking questions. Like I wish, I don't yeah. need anybody to ask, how are you? Like, I'm not great when this happens and I'm not great when black people get killed either. Like we're not doing good. And so like that part's fine, but I wish people would ask questions because this is such a, you know, it's a very, especially what happened in Atlanta. It's very specific. And, you know, I know that, you know, 80% of my friends have, don't know a lot about Asian Americans or culture or anything like that. And as a result of that, as an a half Asian American, I don't, I get lost sometimes too without the Asian culture because we're so, because it's so foreign to, foreign to everybody. Yeah. I wish people would ask questions. And I also, I think honestly, it would depend on, um, it would depend on who's asking me. I think um, I can kind of tell my friends on social media, at least who are trying to be very performative and just being like, hello, I'm here because the internet told me to be here. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I can also tell the people who are like hey this is really fucked up and I just want to like see if you're good yeah. um and I really appreciate those friends and then the people who I think are being performative can get a like no answer I'm gonna leave them on read yeah exactly like whatever <laughs> <laughs> but you're right Trina I wish people would ask questions because yeah. I feel like no one ever really like there's so many things that have happened to me that gosh I've even told my fiance and he's been like wait it's just so unbelievable to him yeah you know and I wish I wish people would just ask because there are so many things that have happened and there's so many things that I feel about this that I would be happy to share with a lot of people yeah and I think something that's interesting too is people um with Asian cultures like this I'm sure there's a version of this in the black community as well but the type of Asian that you are and like Ashley and I are both Southeast Asian and we don't, we actually don't know what type of uh, like where these people are from, the nationality of the people from Atlanta yet. Um, but like growing up as an Asian American and like we were talking about Sandra Oh, like she's the first Asian really that we saw making it. She's Korean, Ashley's mm -hmm. Filipino. I'm Vietnamese, like we're not the same, but we, you, you're the same because yeah. the representation of all of these countries is very, very, very lacking. So as far as like Asian goes, it's everybody y'all because yeah. that's just what it is. When uh, Crazy Rich Asians came out, there's not a Filipino person in Crazy Rich Asians, but let me tell you the Filipino community, we like bear hugs, Crazy Rich Asians, <laughs> and we were like, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was so exciting to us just because we were like, man, someone that just looks like kind of. us, just <laughs> even kind of like us on the big screen doing well. That movie made bank, y'all. Yeah, so it was just like, wow. man, the Filipino community really embraced that. And it was a great movie. We were so excited for it. But yeah, it's the nationality thing is is real. Yeah for the Asian community. Exactly. James and Elgin, is there anything like that? Is it status wise? Is it like uh, which region region of the United States y'all are from? Like, is there anything like that at all? Elgin, you want to take this? I mean, because I know, I, know I know what you're going to say, but go ahead, go ahead. When Black Panther came out, I had the whole dashiki on and everything. <laughs> like, I had my uh, shirt on, 
was a good time. I think uh, a sidebar in, in regards to the Atlanta thing, I was just reading a, a story about it before we got on this call. Uh, so it's eight people that were killed. Six of them were, seven of them were women. Six of them were Asian. Four of them were Korean of the, of the six that were killed. Just got it. So we have context. Um, in regard to um, uh, like intra-racial issues within a community, I'd say within the black community, it's, it's based on colorism. Um, I think mm -hmm. that's a pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty ubiquitous thing among black communities um is is the is the hue of black that you are um we can all reference back to the plessy plessy versus ferguson case um in the one drop rule if you have one drop of black blood you black um and then I, in my in my college years i studied this um topic in particular it's called the afro diasporic dialogue basically it talks about the conversations that the african descended people were having and in, in Canada and in, in the Americas in Central America and South America, and that none of them actually had a conversation with each other, but they were all experiencing the same thing in terms of colorism. Within each country, there, there was a, a echelon, a hierarchy, if you will, of, of, of the best and the not so best of Black peoples. And that was happening in, in the four countries I just mentioned, and that's the Afro-diasporic dialogue that, the, that these people were having with each other all experiencing the same thing without actually having that physical conversation. And I think that has trickled down into the generations into now. You know, we, we look at black artists like Beyonce, for instance. I remember years ago, she had an ad for Pepsi and she was surprisingly light-skinned and had blonde hair and every, oh, she's gorgeous, she's gorgeous, she's this, it's like, well, yeah, Beyonce is gorgeous because she's a gorgeous woman. It has nothing to do with the fact that she is a, is a light-skinned and y'all, Pepsi made her even lighter you yeah. know, you look at you look at people like Viola Davis, who was stunning, dark skin, stunning. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we we I think that black community, we latch on to these preconceived notions of, of beauty. And more than often, those preconceived notions are rooted in in, in, in whiteness or proximity to whiteness. Yeah. It's very similar in the Filipino community, too. My mom used to during the summers. Uh, make me wear like long sleeves. I basically <laughs> dressed for the winter in the summer and I would have to like, it was miserable for me because she didn't want me to get dark. Yeah, And she, cause it's a status thing mm -hmm. for the Filipino community. If you're dark, you are lesser than everyone else. Yeah. And it was so imperative. Like I never went to the beach growing up. I never spent time in the sun. I got a, I had a vitamin D deficiency of like a true vitamin D deficiency when I went to the doctor, cause I was so tired and I went to the doctor and they were like, you don't get any sun. Like mm. you are, you're an Eskimo, like <laughs> you are a vampire. You stay inside all day long and you only come out at night. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's in the Filipino community. I, I can definitely relate to the, the fact that if you're darker skinned in any way, mm -hmm. it's, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's trickled down to, I mean, it's, it's, to, to, to uh, get like pseudo scientific about it, e even in, in Africa, like, like the continent of Africa, skin bleaching and skin lining is a massive, a massive industry. Sure. I think the, mm -hmm. it's called hydroquinine or hydroquinine or something like that is the skin lightening agent. And it's taken off in the past, you know, 20, 30 years as like American exceptionalism and American ideals of what it means to be pretty have permeated across the globe. It's, it's, it's becoming like a, like a thing 
that is not only affecting us, it's affecting other people. You know, it, like I said, in Africa, skin bleaching and skin lightening is a booming industry. And I can only imagine it's happening across the world in other facets as well. Yeah. If you go to, uh, if you go to like an Asian supermarket right now, there's a whole, I can go right now. There's a whole section of skin whitening. So that still exists. Yeah. Or, yeah. or even any East Asian country, the uh, plastic surgery numbers are yeah. sky high, getting them mm-hmm. double eyelids, things like that. Like it's, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing in most Asian countries about being lighter skinned like they're even they're putting on white makeup yeah but even for work too I feel like there are roles that I've gone out for that they've been like we want diversity we want like everyone to audition for this no one white is gonna audition for this and then I'll audition for it and then when the deadline article comes out it's It's a a white blonde it's a white blonde, first of all, Every or if it's time. not, if it's not, it's a really super, super, super light, like a white passing <laughs> ethnic person. Ambiguous. And I'm like, Culturally okay, ambiguous. hold on. Dude. Culture, yes, ethnically ambiguous. I'm like, Every wait, time. no. So Every you didn't time. want, you didn't want diversity. No. You just wanted to look like you were looking for diversity. Yep. And yeah. that's not fair. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I'm no, fine. she wasn't a better actor than us. I just yeah, that's right. She wasn't better. <laughs> This that is was a, the this, best self-tape of my life. Yeah, give it this is a, a bit of a sidebar, but uh, I think trending right now is that video of this makeup artist who's in like some hot water because she yes. basically yes, saw, like yeah. black-faced a white woman to play a like, and I'm talking, I'm talking like oh. like, like, like prosthetics. Like, like like I'm doing, I'm making a motion for our audio listeners. Imagine putting on like a Halloween mask, but over the head covering Taking the your face skull. off. Like taking like the movie face off, like taking she had uh like silicone cheekbones and and they 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 uh darkened her arms, darkened her legs, and you see them remove all this makeup. And it's like I, my first thought was I feel like for all that work, there has to be an equally talented person of color or person. more. Like there has to be. If you well, want a black person, like there has to be someone that exists. So it's, if you guys haven't seen that, definitely take a look at that video. That is a, 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 a prima example of what we're talking about. You can't see it now, but Ashley's jaws to the floor because she's <laughs> so shocked. Shook. This is crazy. But also, the makeup does not look like a person. It looks like a yeah. black-faced person. Yes. It doesn't look like no. a black person. It looks like a black, it looks like, uh, what What are we at, 90? When was the last time someone black, black-faced on TV? Like Long in the 30s. Time ago. Yeah. yeah. It looks like that. No, it's yeah. it's it's insane, and it's just it's like it, 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 Trina's raising the, the point of like when the United States was experiencing all this. It just raises the question: Is this really twenty twenty one? Like exactly. Like 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 I feel like we're in a space now where if you don't know something, there exists this this website, and you can go and type in <laughs> anything and get in. It's called Google, and it is it is ambiguous, and no one will ever know that you asked that dumb question. Why are you going out, like making these presumptions about society, or without checking? There has to be like when you see when you see um, like offensive toys and things like that go make make it to the market. My first thought is this had to go by at least five people. Like five people had to have at least seen it to be like, okay, maybe this is not a good idea. Like who who is on these boards to make these decisions? to get to the final product and you're like, yup, this is the best we got. And that is where we are going to end part one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ashley Argota, James Maple, Elgin Ball, 
for all being a part of this conversation. You guys can find their Instagrams and any links associated with them in the description of this episode. And we will be back next week for part two. Please, please, please do not forget to subscribe. Head over to Apple Podcast Reviews. Tell us what you think. And we will see you next time.